devotion. We're in Mark chapter 16, uh, the conclusion of the gospel and its conclusion of our study of the four gospels. So uh, today we've looked at all four gospels. In fact, we've looked at every book other than the book of Acts, which we'll start, Lord willing, tomorrow, and the first half or so of Hebrews. So we are quickly coming up on our conclusion of our chapter-by-chapter chapter study of the New Testament, which began, of course, when COVID hit. Um, let's let's begin here right from the beginning, verse 16. Of course, we're looking at the resurrection. When Sabbath was passed, I just want, want to pause there briefly because it's easy to overlook that. Remember that they, they uh, um, uh, broke the legs of the thieves next to Jesus um, because Sabbath was coming. Sabbath starts in the evening, not in the morning, so it's evening and morning, right? Um, so so they, um, but Jesus was already dead. They had to do that because you, you couldn't have hanging bodies on the Sabbath. It ruins the Sabbath. So, so Jesus dies on Friday and is buried. He literally rests on the Sabbath. He rests on Saturday. Um, and, and then Sunday morning, he is raised from the dead. Now, that may just sound like a mere historic detail, but it's actually significant theologically. We've talked about this some. Um, is that you have a retelling of the creation story. So you have the day of man, um, the, the sixth day, is the day that Christ dies for man. And then the day of rest is the day that Jesus is lying in the tomb. And it is the first day of the week by which Christ is risen from the dead, which is a new creation. Um, and this is the story of the gospel. Uh, the 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 uh, so, so in the New Testament, you get new creation language all the time. Paul will say we are new creatures. In Revelation, you may recall, we saw new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, new temple, new city, all that. So so that, that detail is significant. So the Sabbath has passed. It's Sunday morning. This is why we worship on Sunday morning. We, we, we will see this in Acts as well. Um, we worship on Sunday morning, uh, not because it's the Sabbath. It's actually the first day of the week, but because we, we remember uh, that Christ is risen from the dead. So every Sunday is Easter. Um, if only we would act like it. Um, and then we see the women who come, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Uh, they, they bring spices. Now remember uh, that Jesus has already been anointed for burial. Uh, that goes back to, I believe it's chapter 12, maybe. Um, and uh, um, so they come here to, to anoint him. They couldn't do it on the Sabbath because it's the day of rest. So they get up the first thing uh, on Sunday. And, and they're going to go anoint Jesus. And so the detail here is important because they are not anticipating Jesus coming back from the grave. They are still grieving. They're still in mourning. And they go to do their part in preparing him for, for burial uh, and, and his final rest. Uh, verse 2, and very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Now, I, I want to highlight that because in English, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? They got up the morning uh, when the sun had risen, S-U-N and S-O-N. Now, it doesn't work in Greek, uh, but it works in English, and uh, so there you go. And you notice that they, they know where the tomb is. We talked about this yesterday uh, with the uh, conclusion of Mark 15. Mark wants the reader to know Jesus really did die. He really was buried, and people knew where he was buried at. So they're not going to the wrong tomb or anything like that. Uh, they know exactly where he's buried, and that is where they are going. And when they get there, they, they, they ask, well, you know, ladies, we didn't think this through. We've got to remove the, the, the big stone. How are we going to do that? Don't forget, there, there's Roman guards 
next to the tomb and everything else. And so um, this is very similar to Isaac asking the question um, while well, he's marching up to the mountain, uh, where is the lamb? Right? And, and here, the answer is the same as it was there. Uh, God will provide. God will provide a way for them to look in the tomb. Uh, and so when they get there, they see that the, they, that the stone had been rolled away. Uh, and then Mark says it was very large. So uh, it would take a lot of work to move the stone. Uh, but nevertheless, it has been moved. Verse 5, entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Um, you'll have to help me here. This is the first description of an angel in Mark, um, and, and the only one. There is talk of the angels ministering to Jesus in Mark 1 following his temptation. But I'm unaware of any passage that, that describes angels. The transfiguration may get close to it, um, but I, I, I could be wrong. Uh, there may be something in all of a discourse, but I, I'm unaware of one. This is not a major theme in Mark's gospel. So he describes him as a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe. And one of the striking things about Mark's account of the resurrection is the fear and the um, intensity of emotions that the women feel. Now, now imagine here, you're, you're going out to the burial place of someone you deeply love, and there you find a missing body. And someone is standing there you don't recognize, and there's a lot of confusion. Of course, the emotions are going to be fear, anger, anxiety, tension, right? It's, it, it's all going to be very high. And so the text tells us they were alarmed. And of course they were alarmed because they weren't expecting any of this. Because dead bodies don't come back to life. Everyone knows this. Just because they're ancient writers doesn't mean they're, they're likely to believe in anything. They understand dead bodies don't come back to life. Verse 6, the young man, the angel, said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So, here is the gospel in a nutshell. This Jesus, who was crucified, is risen. He's risen. And you'll see, we, we talk about this with, with Matthew's account, because it's clear. The come and see will lead to the go and tell. Come see where they laid him. Now go and tell the, the disciples. That's verse 7. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. It's striking that it's tell the disciples and tell Peter. Isn't Peter among the disciples? It, it seems redundant um, that the angel here has repeated himself. And yeah, um, most scholars believe it's, it's a um, particular grace towards Peter following his denial. Uh, and I, I think that's a perfectly fine explanation. Could also be because he's the leader of the of of the twelve. He's probably the oldest, maybe even the only one married. So so it makes sense maybe to, to single him out. That when you tell the disciples, make sure you tell Peter, because he'll know what to do. But nevertheless, you see the come and see Christ is risen. Go and tell that he is risen. That is the gospel call. Come and see. Right. This is repentance. This is faith. This is where forgiveness is found. Come and see that he who was crucified is risen from the dead. And now, go and tell others that Jesus Christ is alive. It's as simple as that. The Christian life in a nutshell. Come and see. Go and tell. Um, and so they, they flee from the tomb. Notice the, the mixed emotions. They are trembling and astonished. And then they go and tell the disciples. 
Now, I'm aware of some of the manuscript issues with verse 9, 9 to 20, so I don't want to dwell on that. What I want us to, to conclude our study of Mark is, is, is right there. Come and see that he is risen. Go and tell that he is alive. That is the, the, the Christian faith in a nutshell. Lord willing, we'll see you guys here tomorrow. We'll see Christ ascended where he is seated at the right hand throne of the Father. See you then.